Welcome to the Readings Podcast, a production from Melbourne's leading independent bookstore, Readings Books and Music. In today's episode, a conversation with Gavin Fang and Tracy Kirkland, editors of the new non-fiction essay collection, Panda Media, How COVID Changed Journalism. This book examines how the pandemic altered the news. Some changes accelerated shifts already underway, such as the rise of user-generated content, the weaponizing of disinformation, and the demand for data journalism. Other changes were unexpected, such as the emergence of the home-based expert and a story with a very, very long tail. Many reporters were forced to write, file, and broadcast from home. Numbers took on a new importance. And every day, journalists had to find new ways to tell the same story, one they too were living through. With contributors including Stan Grant, Michelle Grattan, David Spears, Alan Kohler, Lisa Miller and Dr Norman Swan, Panda Media takes readers behind the scenes of Australia's media organisations to give a first-hand perspective on the new reign of the Fourth Estate. I began our conversation by asking Gavin and Tracy where the idea of Panda Media originated. Well, it really started because Gavin and I were having a discussion around some of the ethical choices we were having to make as journalists in dealing with the story of COVID, the very long story of COVID. And we felt like, like never before, we were making really big kind of ethical decisions about our journalism and about what we were going to broadcast and how we were going to tell these stories. And I said to Gab, I reckon there's a book in this because the experiences of journalists right across the country were so interesting but also so varied. So if you worked in television, if you worked in newspapers, if you worked in radio, your experience was really different. If you worked in Victoria or New South Wales or Western Australia, again, your experiences were really different. We decided to approach a few people. We approached the publishers first and they said, we love it, but we want it in 12 weeks. So we thought, okay. So we started approaching journalists right across the country, most of whom we didn't know, but very, very senior and experienced and well-known journalists. And they all jumped at the chance to tell their story of what it was like to be a journalist working in Australia during COVID. And so the result is there's about 40 essays in the book and they just talk about their personal experience, about what it was like. We found the experiences tread a whole, range of different perspectives and they all had really varied experiences which all inform what we did how we did it but even more importantly how we're going to do journalism going forward and the changes in the media we spend a lot of time telling other people's stories which is really important that's an that's a critical role of what we do but with this story i think what we experienced as an industry and as people as journalists and camera operators and editors and producers was that like many industries and like many people this story really impacted what we did and our industry and how we operated. And so I think we wanted to tell the story of how the storytellers were impacted because we see our role as doing the first draft of history, telling other people's stories. But what happens in the external environment through something like the pandemic meant that the way that we do our storytelling was forced to change and the impact on the way that we do our storytelling and the way we're able to communicate with the public then has a really big impact on the types of ways that they understand a big issue like the pandemic. And to put some context around that as well, when you think about this story it started you know, back in 2020 amid, you know, we just come off massive bushfires, the Trump presidency, questions about our own government and its handling of the bushfires. 
And really there are issues around misinformation, around trust, and around the way that the media did its role. Now, these were things that were really kind of top of mind for us about the way that our industry was, was doing its business. And as we as journalists were doing our roles and how that was impacting or kind of interrelating with those issues of trust and misinformation and the like. And for us, you know, in television, we're, we're TV people, Gavin and I, and everything changed literally overnight. One day we were doing journalism one way, the next day was completely different. You know, starting from the obvious things where our editorial meeting all of a sudden was on Zoom, everybody who could be sent home was sent home. And so right from the start of that first day, everything changed. When we would normally have talent in our studios, they couldn't come anymore. So I, I work for a 24-hour news service. We have people in our studios all day talking to us about the latest news. None of them could even come into the studio. So we had to find a new way overnight of telling those stories. And so we relied on Skype and Zoom and FaceTime and all of those things, which we dabbled with, but we really didn't didn't know so well. I mean, there were silly little things like we couldn't have back-to-back -back Zooms going to air because our technology just didn't allow it. So how do we tell these stories and how do we get all these people on air when we're just learning the technology at the same time. So that meant for our breakfast program, they couldn't have people sitting on the couch. I mean, they couldn't even sit next to each other on the couch. And so we're rethinking the way we tell stories and who gets to be part of the way we tell stories. If you worked for a newspaper, you know, they were all sent home and they had to tell their stories from home for months on end. For the people who were coming to work, you know, we were even measuring, you know, you can only sit that far away from me. And there was a real sense of fear and people were scared. So you're telling this incredibly new and changing story in a period where you yourself are scared, your kids have been sent home from school, you're still having to work out homeschooling like everybody else. You don't know how you can catch it. I mean, it was quite a unique time and we wanted to capture that as a bit of a time capsule. And Gab, you've got that amazing story about right at the start about thinking about how we how our coros were telling these stories. Our international correspondents were at the forefront of covering the pandemic around the world. And, and early on, if you recall, before really the, the pandemic hit our shores, before the Ruby Princess, as it swept through, first through China, then parts of Europe, Italy especially, but also up into the northeast of the United States. And that big first wave up in New York, that was really where we started to see this massive outbreak of the pandemic. In New York City, the numbers of deaths started to spiral and started to get really high. And there was a makeshift hospitals and in Central Park, they put up a makeshift morgue and bodies were being brought. And we really wanted to cover this story because it was starting to really show what it might be like if the pandemic hit our shores. And normally covering New York is a relatively safe environment for our journalists, you know, to drive from where we have a bureau for the ABC from Washington to New York is a pretty simple assignment. It's first world. It's not exceptionally risky. But early on in the pandemic, we had this discussion about sending one of our correspondents, David Lipson, from Washington up to New York to cover the pandemic as these deaths started to spiral. We had to consider a whole bunch of things that we normally wouldn't consider. We talked about for David whether or not, for instance, he would have to wear a whole hazmat suit, whether he could actually go into New York, whether he would just have to drive his car through to witness what was happening with the windows up. We had serious concerns about could we in good conscience send him to a place where he might contract 
COVID and potentially die. And this is long before we'd had a conversation about vaccines. Uh, and so these were the types of threshold questions and critical questions we were asking about. Can we do our journalism? Can we tell our stories? Can we tell these important stories to the public? Because we couldn't be assured that he would actually be safe. David's reflection on that actually, interestingly enough, was that he actually had, I don't know if you'd call it survivor's guilt, but he had a certain amount of guilt about not being able to do his job, not being able to go to the front line and cover something because his perspective, and for many journos, is if you can't go and do that, if you can't go and cover something where you can see it and, and really provide that information back to the audience, then you're not really being able to do your job. And that's a real concern around your purpose and, and how you do your work. Yeah, absolutely. There's different anecdotes that you touch on, you know, different stories of reporters, be they here in Australia or overseas. The way that the book's presented, you get a sense of the personal experience of a journalist working through this as much as you get the macro experience of the society. And I guess, as is pointed to in the book and many of us know and understand, for many, many people, their experience with journalists and the media was one of the few lifelines they had to society during, you know, many lockdowns or periods of isolation. What are the things that people are most talking about within the industry about how things have changed and what people are aware of now more acutely than before, perhaps? I think one of the things that, you know, we reflected on and reflect on through COVID was that there are many stories out there which don't touch us personally as journalists, but this story touched everybody in the community, including us personally. And the impact of that on us is good and bad. So in one respect, it gives you a connection, a deeper connection to the story that you can understand what people are experiencing and it helps you do more relevant journalism. And I think that's really important for us. And we also, through the pandemic, changed the way that we did our work in different ways to be able to more directly both communicate and to understand what were the key issues for people. So, for instance, you know, the ABC did a very long-running blog by which we included audience-based questions and we tried to answer those questions because what we understood from the audience on this story was that the thing that they really needed was the core information about how COVID and the pandemic rules affected and impacted their lives. And you saw that reflected as well in the daily press conference, in the, the audiences for the daily premiers press conferences were immense and people just wanted to know exactly what was happening. But when we talk to journalists, and Tracy can speak to this a bit more than me as well because she spoke to a lot more of our, of our contributors, but when we talk to them as well, many of those people were quite strongly impacted by the experience of the pandemic, as many people in the community were, for a variety of reasons. So, you know, we, we hear from Rachel Baxendale, a reporter in Melbourne. She's the political reporter for The Australian. She attended every Dan Andrews press conference. In addition to doing her job, though, she also got and received a lot of abuse on social media. And it was because, as we know, in Victoria, as in a lot of places, the rules around the pandemic became quite controversial. So for her, that was a really big part of doing her job. And for her, thinking about why I'm doing this, and even though I am receiving a lot of abuse on social media, 
I'm also very privileged to be in a position to ask questions. I think something that I took away from speaking to people through the pandemic and speaking to my colleagues was that there was trauma that came for us as journos from covering these stories. There was also an issue that we had to grapple with really around mental health and around what is the purpose for us as journalists of doing our jobs. Because when we are witnessing and the first tellers of other people's trauma, what is the impact on us vicariously? Why do we keep doing what we are doing? Why do we keep exposing ourselves to that vicarious trauma? We have to continue to come back to, well, what's the purpose of journalism, which is that actually you can help and give hope by telling these stories and explaining things to people, but also your own personal purpose. Why do I do this? How does that meet the personal purpose of what I do? And I think that was one of the, in terms of what we take away for me, one of the big lessons for us is how do we look after our own staff, their mental health and combine purpose and dealing with trauma for our own people as well? Yeah, there's this lovely quote in the book from um, the regional editor of The Guardian, and she says, you know, her job for the first year of COVID and potentially the second year as well was more pastoral care than editorial oversight because really she was stuck at home and all her journos were at home. They were all young, single people, and she really just needed to care for them to enable them to do their job. So I really agree with what Gavin's saying. I think more than ever, mental health was pushed to the fore and we as managers could really see the impact of that and the ongoing impact, I would say. And it became something that we need to really think carefully about the mental health and potential trauma that journalists undergo. And this was everybody, not just kind of our war correspondents coming home where you'd think, yeah, there might be a bit of PTSD, but these were just your regular run-of-the-mill journos. It's a hard slog and it has been for quite a few years and was under COVID. So I think that's something. Think about the daily press conference. It was a really interesting time where the audience got to see a little bit more about what goes on. You know, we played those press conferences on News Channel, all of them. So you got Dan Andrews, you got the New South Wales one, the Queensland one, often the WA one as well, all in the same day. And the audience demand for it was enormous. There were millions of people watching this. But what they were seeing was things that they don't normally see. They were getting the whole press conference plus every question and often for an hour, an hour and a half each time. So that caused a little bit of anger because they were seeing what was going on, didn't fully understand what people were doing or disagreed with the questioning, you know, of politicians because they were one side of politics or the other. But our role is to keep government accountable for their decisions. And these people were trying to, to do just do their jobs and they were coming under a lot of backlash. I think that's something we need to learn, that, that the audience does expect a level of transparency now about what we're doing. They've kind of got used to that. We did at the ABC try and engage the audience more. We wanted to answer their questions. This was a, a really scary, big topic, and we wanted to directly answer their questions in our news bulletin. So we were asking them. And I think that's something that we can take away from this. When we're doing big stories or doing any relevant stories, we, we want to be relevant to the audience. We want to give them news that they can use, news that is helpful to them. We want to explain the issues that matter. And to do that, we need to listen more to the audience. So I think under COVID, it became a little bit more of a, an audience engagement exercise rather than a kind of news editors make the decisions and we, we decide what we're going to do and that's what they're going to get. Now we're listening more and I think that's something we really need to take forward, particularly as we digitise and particularly as things become more bespoken and news 
fragments and we have to serve audiences in a different way, I think the best way to do that is to listen more. Gavin, I know that your piece in the book, you you do very overtly talk about the purpose. How did you go about approaching people to contribute to the book and did you give them a kind of sense of what you might be looking for or did you really just want them to speak to something that they would want to of their own choosing? When we discussed it, what we didn't want in the book was just a kind of repetitive, if we just tell everyone, just write what your experience is, what you probably would have got is 40 essays. While they were varied, probably a lot of similarity and a lot of repetition, so we didn't want that. But we did want their own personal experience. So Gavin and I sat down and very carefully crafted what we thought were the really big issues that happened during COVID. We broke them down into different topics and then we thought about who are the most relevant stories storytellers in Australia to talk about this issue. And that's how we got to where we are now. And we just approached them one by one with our idea for them with a pretty strong brief about what we wanted them to cover, but not how they covered it or what they said. Really just, we think that you'd be great to to reflect on this and would you like to do that? I have to say also, we didn't pay anyone. We told them they'd be doing this for free and all of the money that they would have got and we would have got from Panda Media goes to the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. So we were calling some of the best writers in Australia asking them to talk about their reflections on COVID for nothing in four weeks. And almost all of them said yes because they wanted to tell their stories and they wanted this to be able to be recording a moment in time, I suppose, particularly for the next generation of journalists coming through, but also people interested in democracy and history and journalism and media. The first person that Gavin asked was Stan Grant and the first person that I asked was Dr Norman Swan and both of them said yes and when they said yes, we knew we had a book. And so from there, we just approached the best people we could and almost all of them said yes. Yeah, and the media can be quite competitive, but I think when it came to this topic, there were similar experiences across the you know, spectrum of, of things that had happened, but everybody, as Tracy says, was really keen to speak about it and keen to talk a bit more about the impact. And I think as you touched on, the book tries to chart both the personal stories because we wanted people to be able to see behind the scenes, but also to make some commentary and analysis on what's the impact of the pandemic on our industry because we, and we would say this because we're journalists, but we think it the role that the media plays is really important in creating a cohesive society where people can have shared understanding and have proper conversations about things. You touched before on trust and misinformation, and these are some of the big issues that, you know, we are as a society and the media are really at the forefront of grappling with, and so we wanted to be able to weave through some of that into Panda Media as well. It does come through in little bursts and pops here and there throughout the text, but it's never self-aggrandizing in any way, I don't think. We really wanted to take readers behind the scenes as well. We did talk about mm. that a little bit. We wanted to give people a bit of an inside look about what went on during COVID. What kind of discussions were we having? I mean, we take it very, very seriously. And our, particularly at the ABC, our responsibility to the Australian community, and we actually discuss it like that. How can we be of service to the Australian public? How can we tell the stories that matter to them, that are relevant to them? We literally talk like that. And we really care about the product that we put out and we are very thoughtful about it and I suppose we just wanted to use this as a great example and dig in and let people have a look at the way we do it but also how hard it was under COVID and what the challenges were and also we wanted to leave people hopeful 
about the future of journalism in Australia because there's a lot to be hopeful about. If you could speak to the people of, of Melbourne, what would you say to them about media and going forward? I'd say to those people that they really understood the pandemic really well because they lived it. The vast majority of Australians outside of Melbourne and outside of Victoria don't understand exactly how tough the pandemic was for those people because those lockdowns were really, really difficult. While we don't want to take people back to that time, it is important for people to understand as they move on from that, how the story was told and what was the impact of that story on the future of their own country because those were difficult times and I think people still struggle with that. And and we've had a lot of comments from people saying, oh, I'm not sure if I'm if I'm up for reading a book about the pandemic, but once they get into it, they're like, oh, that I really learned a lot out of that or I got some great understanding about what happened or it helped me really to think about what happened to me and to kind of move forward a little bit and understand how that their experience was set in a broader national conversation. So I'd say to those people that, you know, I encourage you to, if you want to know how the media reported, how the media looked at what was happening to you and the impact on the media, have a read. I'd say, look, both of my children did the HSC during COVID. They were horrendous years and it was really tough for them. But what I said to them is, you know, you are living history. As you get older, you will reflect back on this time of I was that year. I was the year that had to do my trial HSC at home on camera. I was the year that couldn't have a school formal. I was the year. And I think for people who live in Victoria, They were the people that were affected. They were the people that felt this the most. And they were the people that we were as journalists trying to tell their stories. And so I think there's a very personal connection to this book for people who lived in Victoria and who were under those harsh lockdowns, because in a sense, we were fighting for them, trying to tell the story as best we could to enable them to be able to cope and to be able to recover. Thank you very, very much to the both of you for speaking with me today. I would strongly recommend to all people who listen to the Readings podcast to check out Panda Media. There are so many fantastic pieces and contributions in here. The one you spoke to about Stan Grant's piece, which takes the prompt and then twists it a little bit in a way that I didn't expect, but I really, really enjoyed. So many other luminaries of our media, as you said, Norman Swan, uh, Rick Morton's in there. There's so many fantastic journalists. It really is both a time capsule of sorts, bringing that knowledge forward. Also, just a a nice round table of people who are doing really, really fantastic work in the media today. And like the two of you, so thank you very much for putting the book together. And I really, really enjoyed it. And it's been really nice to speak to the two of you today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. And Media, How COVID Changed Journalism, is available via all reading stores and from our website, where you can stream previous episodes of The Readings Podcast. You'll also find all kinds of other recommendations for great books, music, film, and TV. You can also sign up to eNews or to receive our free monthly newsletter, The Readings Monthly. The Readings Podcast is produced by me, Nico Callaghan. The show's music is by Tom Hoskins. All episodes of this show are recorded and produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I'd like to acknowledge traditional owners of this land and pay my earnest respects to elders past, present, and to come. Thank you.